May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my hearts be acceptable this day, O God. Amen. Please be seated. Several weeks ago, my mother-in-law shared a funny article that she had found on Facebook with me. Now, I'm sure many of you are familiar with these satirical types of articles that pop up on Facebook. Uh, you could be familiar with sources like The Onion, or if you're a little more old school, maybe Mad Magazine or The National Lampoon. Well, the website catholicconspiracy.com posted a article that read, Pope Francis uses a fidget spinner to explain God during homily. The article featured a picture of Pope Francis at a pulpit, not unlike this one, with his hands raised in gesture, giving a sermon. But photoshopped in his hand was a bright plastic fidget spinner. For those of you who do not have children or are unaware, a fidget spinner is a, a device with three or two weighted arms that spins around a very efficient ball bearing. What does this do, you may ask? Well, it's supposedly for those of us with ADD that have to have something to fiddle with. It helps us take part of our active mind and give it something to do so that the rest of our mind can focus on the intended task. People have, I often spent most of my life uh, fiddling and twirling a pen, or sometimes I will even uh, carry a pocket cross like this one. Other people play with coins, have uh, worry stones, or any kind of, some kind of fidgety thing. But what's impressive about this is that this is marketable. So Pope Francis, according to this article, Pope Francis surprised the congregation in his homily at Sunday's Mass, where he took a fidget spinner out of his pocket and used it to demonstrate the Trinity. And the article, article continues by satirically quoting the Pope, saying, just as St. Patrick used the three-leaf clover to teach his followers about the triune nature of God, I can use my aluminum tri-fidget spinner to reveal the mysteries of God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And just as the spinner goes faster, it appears to become a single disc, yet they maintain their individuality. Each arm is three but one, even when I do tricks with it. And then the article continued, could I do this awesome behind the back maneuver if my fidget spinner was unbalanced? No, I tell you. It is the same if we do not have a balanced God equal as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, well, I enjoyed the article nonetheless. It went very well with my morning coffee. But it stuck with me. We've all heard of Patrick teaching about the Trinity using the three-leaf clover, or people using the three states of matter, such as water, ice, and steam, to try to explain this grand mystery of the Trinity. But what are we supposed to do with that this Trinity Sunday? Thankfully, the creation narrative that we heard explicitly references the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And luckily, the New Testament and Gospel readings that we heard today were so long and descriptive. 
We have been observing Trinity Sunday since Thomas of Becket in 1126, and I do not think that we are even still very clear about what it is to embrace the Trinity, to understand the Trinity, and to live with it. Perhaps the reason for Trinity Sunday is that we are meant to have a day every year where we, are, where we spend questioning that very question, where we are asked to chew on it and to absorb it into our daily life. Perhaps it is necessary for us to internalize this grand academic theological concept. Medieval philosopher Duns Scotus, a personal favorite of mine, wrote passionately on the Trinity and about how creation was really, in fact, the reaction of Christ's incarnation, whereas Christ is prime in all of creation. And so while some would say that God sent Jesus Christ down to earth to fix a broken and marred creation that was wreathed in sin, Scotus would argue that Christ's incarnation is love, an act of love, the act of love. God's insurmountable and perfect love can only be shared by someone who can flawlessly reflect and reciprocate that love. And that person is Christ. So Scotus says that all the souls that were ever created or are about to be created could not cannot and will never measure up to the supreme love that Christ is able to have for the Trinity. But there is hope for us right now. Because as we heard in the gospel today, we, like the eleven, are commissioned by the divinity of Christ. We are co-heirs for this Trinitarian love that Christ has. The incarnation becomes this unrepeatable, unique, and singly and single defining act of God's love. Thus, if man had never sinned, Christ would still have come. God is what he is. We know that God exists, and we know that God's existence is love. Wow, that is a lot of theology. That's a lot of mystery, and I don't think my fidget spinner knew what it was getting into when I ordered it with Amazon Prime. And this mystery fascinates me. It fuels me. But I'd be lying if I said that it didn't come e or that it came easy or didn't leave me sometimes exhausted. I wish I had um, an easy acceptance of mystery. I wish that it flowed through me as easily as I live and breathe. But luckily, I get a taste of that. Until recently, I had been, I spent almost a decade at St. Andrew's Episcopal School down the road. And most of that time was spent as the lay chaplain teaching religion to elementary and early childhood students. And my earliest days was with Jennifer, who was the best mentor I've ever had. Thank you. Um, and so I think of how easily the children wander and, and, and live with mystery. I think about times where I was teaching complex parables. For example, the pearl of great price, the precious pearl. And in that, in that lesson, I had figures that I would use to tell the story, and there was a, 
a shell, a seashell with a costume jewelry pearl glued into it, and that was the pearl of great price. And after I was done with the lesson, I would pass the pearl around to all the kindergartners in the circle so they could touch it and see it. And everyone was like, ooh, this is great. And they were passing it along. And this one kindergarten girl gets the pearl and holds it cupped in her hands and is almost like light shining on her face is beaming. She just cannot take it all in. She just is holding this great thing. And she looks up and says, when is it going to hatch? <laughs> and I was like, you win, little girl. Because while she kind of confused what was going on in her hands, she got it in a way that I am still learning from because she understood that there was this thing, this kingdom of God that we are anticipating, that we are waiting for, that we want to have hatch. And she was already there, holding it in her hand, waiting for it to come alive. So sometimes I wish I had her ease with wonder and mystery, just like I'm sure Waverly will have that ease of wonder and mystery to effortlessly anticipate the coming of the kingdom. But sometimes as an adult, my Wi-Fi signal is weak. The signal comes in a little sketchy. But I would remind myself and I would remind us today that the kingdom of God is ever-present. And it is all around us. I would say that we are always thankful for the gifts of the Father in creation. I would say that we are never far away from Christ, the Son, when we come to table. And I would say that we always encounter the Holy Spirit when we see the divine spark which burns bright in each one of us every day and with all people that you come across in your daily life. And it is my hope today that every day we come before God with childlike wonder and anticipation. Amen.